Today, bonds are betting against the Fed and the Treasury. Hello again, it's Martin North from Digital Finance Analytics. Welcome to this post covering finance and properties with a distinctively Australian flavour. Well, this is our weekly review of the market starting in the US, going across to the UK and Europe, and then Asia and Australia. And things remain, well, to say interesting would be an understatement, as leading indicators are, well, really all over the show, and many are betting against the Fed, which has indicated that it's not ready to even consider cutting interest rates anytime soon. Meanwhile, the US Treasury appears to be working in the opposite direction. In fact, US Treasury yields a year from now are forecast to trade sharply lower than the level expected by bond strategists, according to a poll by Reuters. Compared with just one month ago, comparing just how much financial markets have diverged this year from the central bank's view. While the US economy grew at an analysed 2.9% in the final quarter of last year, it is losing momentum clearly. Market traders and policymakers differ on the severity of the coming downturn, as well as the likely policy response. Bond strategist at JP Morgan noted recently that the US Treasury market is already priced for a recession and not just for the heightened risks of one. In the latest rally, treasuries have diverged further from their underlying drivers. 10-year yields appear 30 basis points too low after controlling for the market's Fed policy and growth expectations, they wrote in a recent note. Already off their peaks from late last year and early 2023, major benchmark government bond yields have eased 20 to 40 basis points since and more than 50 basis points on the particularly rate-sensitive US two-year Treasury yield. Economists, many from the same banks, broadly expect the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates a few more times before pausing, with no reductions due this year, suggesting that the fall in the two-year yield is way too early. And they also say the risk to their outlook is that rates stay higher for longer rather than the other way around. So benchmark 10-year US Treasury yields are forecast to rise from 3.5% on Thursday to 3.7% in three months, and then drop to 3.6% and 3.25% in six and 12 months, respectively, in the latest January 18th to 27th Reuters poll. That's of 58 strategists. That is about 30 basis points lower on the one-year horizon than a poll that was published in December. US two-year yields were also expected to drop from around 4.15% presently to 3.52% in a year, more than 40 basis points below the 3.94% forecast from last month's survey. Now, this would extend one of the longest periods on record where two-year yields have been higher than 10-year ones. That's a yield curve inversion, of course. And every US recession since 1955 has been preceded by an inverted yield curve. While well, markets are currently penciling in the first cut in late 2023, we expect the first cut only in the first quarter of 2024 and look for the curve to stay inverted for longer as front-end rates remain elevated and the long end continues to price in slowing growth momentum, said Priya Misra, head of global rate strategy at TD Securities. Sovereign bond yields in the Eurozone and Britain, where policymakers also have not yet finished raising rates and are grappling with even higher inflation than in the US, were predicted to trade lower in a year two. 
The poll expected German Bund yields to rise from their current 2.25% to around 2.4% in three and six months, and they were then forecast to fall back to 2.05% in a year. Gilt yields, last trading around 3.3%, are forecast to rise to a peak of 3.45% by the end of March and remain near those levels for another three months, and then fall to 3.2% by the end of the year. Now on the markets, Wall Street advanced on Friday, marking the end of a rocky week in which economic data and corporate earnings guidance hinted at softening demand, but also economic resiliency ahead of next week's Federal Reserve policy meeting. So towards the end of 2022, positive economic data, healthy employment numbers and a decreasing inflation rate provided hope that a much-awaited slowdown in the rate of interest rate hikes would occur. Currently, though, the market expects that rate hikes will reduce from 50 basis points to 25 basis points before the complete end of the hiking regime by the middle of 2023. From the perspective of the Fed's goal of constraining liquidity and providing headwinds to an overheated economy and stock market, things are starting to improve. It appears that the Fed's plan of a soft landing by quantitative tightening to curb inflation without throwing the economy into a deep recession might be working. But then, as we'll see shortly, the Treasury may have other ideas. The recent rally in stock markets and Bitcoin can be attributed to the market's trust in the above narrative. However, another essential American agency, the US Treasury, poses significant risks to the global economy. While the Fed has been draining liquidity from the markets, the Treasury provided a countermeasure by draining its cash balance and negating some of the Fed's efforts. This situation may be coming to an end now, though. It invokes risks of constrained liquidity conditions with the possibility of an adverse economic shock. For this reason, analysts warn that the second half of 2023 may see excess volatility. The Fed started its quantitative tightening in April by increasing interest rates on its borrowings. The aim was to reduce inflation by constraining the market's liquidity. Its balance sheet shrank by $476 billion during that period, which is a positive sign considering that inflation dropped and employment levels stayed healthy. However, during the same period, the US Treasury used its Treasury General Account, the TGA, to inject liquidity into the market. Typically, the Treasury would sell bonds to raise additional cash to meet its obligations. But since the nation's debt was close to its debt ceiling level, the Federal Department used its cash to fund the deficit. Effectively, it's a backdoor liquidity injection. The TGA is a net liability of the Fed's balance sheet, and the Treasury had drained $542 million from its TGA account since April 2022, when the Fed began rate hikes. Independent macroanalyst Lynn Alden said to Cointelegraph that US Treasury is drawing down its cash balance to avoid going over the debt ceiling, which is adding liquidity into the system. So the Treasury has been offsetting some of the QT that the Fed is doing. Once the debt ceiling issue gets resolved, the Treasury will be refilling its cash account, which pulls liquidity out of the system. The US Treasury's debt totaled approximately $31.45 trillion as at January the 23rd. The number represents the total outstanding of the US government accumulated over the nation's history. It's a crucial number because it's reached the Treasury's debt ceiling. The debt ceiling is an arbitrary number set by the US government that limits the amount of Treasury bonds sold to the Federal Reserve. Hitting it means that the government can no longer take on additional debts. Currently, the US 
has to pay interest on its national debt of $31.4 trillion and spend on the welfare and development of the country. Those expenditures include salaries of public medical practitioners, educational institutions and pension beneficiaries. That is to say the US government spends more than it makes. Thus, if it can't raise debt, there'll have to be a cut in either interest rate payments or government expenditures. The first scenario means a deficit in the US government bond markets, which opens a big can of worms, starting with the loss of trust in the world's largest economy. The second scenario poses uncertain but real risks, as failure to meet public goods payments can induce political instability in the country. But the limit is not set in stone. The US Congress votes on the debt ceiling and has changed it many times in the past. The US Treasury Department notes that since 1960, Congress has acted 78 separate times to permanently raise, temporarily extend or revise the definition of the debt limit, 49 times under Republican presidents and just 29 under Democratic presidents. If history is any indication, lawmakers are more likely to resolve those issues by raising the debt ceiling before any real damage is done. However, in that case, the Treasury will be inclined to increase its TGA balance again. That's the department's target, which is $700 billion by 2023 at the end of the year. Either by draining out its liquidity completely by June, or with the help of a debt ceiling amendment, the backdoor liquidity injections into the economy would come to a close. It threatens actually to create a challenging situation for risk on assets. Now, all three major US stock indices ended the session in the green with the Nasdaq powered by mega cap momentum stocks enjoying the biggest gain. The Dow Jones Industrial Average rose 0.08% to 33,978. The S&P 500 gained 0.25% to 4,070. And the Nasdaq Composite added 0.95% to 11,621. In fact, among the 11 major sectors of the S&P 500 consumer discretionary led the percentage gainers, while energy suffered the largest percentage loss, down 2%. Consumer discretionary was among the biggest gainers, inspired by a more than 10% rally in Tesla, as investors continued to pile into the EV maker following its better-than-expected quarterly results earlier in the week. Shares in Intel Corporation, though, plunged 6.4% after the chipmaker provided dismal earnings projections. Some warned that the bumpy ride around for Intel, just as the company is ramping up spending, puts its dividend at risk. We believe we'll need a V-shaped recovery in the second half to avoid continued cash burn, Credit Suisse said in the note, and cut its price target to, on the stock to $25. That unfortunately opens the potential for a dividend cut, it added. Chevron Corporation posted record 2022 profits, but its fourth quarter earnings fell, short of expectations dragging the stock down 4.4%. And rival payments companies American Express and Visa reported consensus beating results, easing worries of waning consumer demand. Their shares jumped 10.5% and 3% respectively. In other news, Adani Enterprises Limited fell further into the red, taking losses for the week to more than $50 billion after short seller Hindenburg Research announced a short position in the stock, accusing the Indian firm of engaging in stock manipulation and accounting fraud. From last Friday's close, the S&P and the Dow posted their third weekly gain in four, while the tech-laden Nasdaq notched its fourth straight weekly advance. 
so far in the early weeks of 2023, the Nasdaq has jumped 11%, while the S&P 500 and Dow have gained 6% and 2.5% respectively. It's a nice end to another solid week of what's shaving up to be a historically strong month, said Ryan Detrick, chief market strategist at Carson Group. It's a realisation that inflation continues to come down quickly, and that is alleviating a lot of worries regarding the economy. Next week, of course, in addition to the Fed meeting and January employment data, a string of high-profile earnings reports are on tap, notably from Apple, Amazon, Alphabet and Meta, among others. Now, the Personal Consumption Expenditures or PCE Price Index, rose 0.1% in December. That was slower than the expected 0.2%. Core PCE, which excludes food and energy, and is the Fed's preferred inflation measure, rose 0.3% in line with expectations, though it slowed to 4.4% for the 12 months through to December from 4.7% previously. The slowing in core inflation at this point is largely due to improving supply chains rather than the impact of the Fed's tightening. That will work through later, Pantheon Macroeconomics said in a note. The PCE report is another building block to the inflation data that we've been seeing recently, Detrick added. Supply chains continue to open up and improve, opening the door for the Fed to end its progressive rate hiking cycle. Fed Chair Jerome Powell has clearly stated, though, that the central bank's battle against decades-high inflation is far from over, and financial markets still believe the central bank will hike the Fed funds rate target by 25 basis points at the conclusion of next week's policy meeting. Following the data, expectations that the Fed will hike rates by 25 basis points next week are now fully priced in in the market. The overall gauge climbed 5% year-over-year, still well above the Fed's 2% goal, but both were the slowest paces since late 2021. From a month earlier, the core gauge, which the Fed Chairman Jerome Powell has stressed is a more accurate measure of where inflation heading, was up 0.3% and the overall PCE price index increased 0.1%. Both were driven almost entirely by services as goods disinflation continued. And the University of Michigan's monthly survey found that consumers' 12 months inflation expectations dropped to a 21-month low of 3.9% in January. While growth is slowing and inflation cooling, strategists are divided as to whether the Fed will signal a pause in spending. In the note, TD Security said we expect a 0.25% rate hike in next week's FOMC meeting, taking the Fed funds target to 45 to 4.75%. The move will be the second consecutive downshift in hiking pace by the Fed. Despite this, we expect that post-meeting communication to emphasise that the Fed is not yet done in terms of further tightening of its policy stance and they will signal more rate hikes are still in the pipeline. The US economy kept up a strong pace of growth in the fourth quarter, but momentum appears to have slowed considerably towards the end of the year, with higher interest rates eroding demand. Gross domestic product increased at a 2.9% annualised rate last quarter, according to the Commerce Department in its advanced fourth quarter GDP growth estimate, which came out on Thursday. Economy grew at a 3.2% pace in the third quarter. Economist polled by Reuters had forecast GDP rising at just 2.6%. Brian Jacobson, a senior investment strategist at Allspring Global Investment, said the surge in services is slowing. The swing in inventories was the wild card and that added 1.46 percentage points to GDP growth. The slowing is palpable. Hopefully the Fed feels it too. Samir Samar, senior global market strategist at Wells Fargo, said the easiest place to start 
is initial jobless claims, which continue to come in at pretty low levels. And if you're the Fed, you're trying to see some softness in the labour market. It's definitely not coming through. If you look at the GDP data, it does seem like we left 2022 with a little bit more momentum than people thought. And with consumption, we're also in a pretty good spot. So if you're someone who's worried about a recession, it's possible that some of the residual strength pushes the recession out a little bit further into 2023. Neither one really showed a picture that the markets are comfortable with it right now. The market pretty much thinks that the Fed has maybe one or two more rate hikes left and then it'll be done and nothing in the day to day is going to change that. So at least for now, markets are largely focused on earnings. We still think that the Fed will probably end up somewhere in that 5% range like they're saying. Thomas Haynes, chairman and managing member of Great Hill Capital in New York, said it's a mixed bag. Don't think it changes anything. The Fed funds futures still signals that the Fed's going to go by 25 basis points in February. The question will be whether they follow the Bank of Canada in effectively announcing a pause. I think when you look at these numbers, obviously the GDP is backward looking. It's still hot, but everyone knows what that's coming down. We're not going to repeat 2.9% anytime soon. Durable goods data is still strong, though, so it shows some strength in the economy, but core PCE prices that came in at 3.9 was lower than expected. That's very good from the standpoint of giving the Fed cover to go more slowly and eventually pause, if not in February, then perhaps in March. And Peter Cardillo, chief market economist at Spartan Capital Securities, said GDP came in higher than market consensus. The price index was down. We have lower consumption. Overall growth was down. It's a good number, but it doesn't negate the possibility of a mild recession. This number suggests a 50 basis point rate hike next week and 25 points in March, and then possibly an end to the tightening cycle. I think the Fed wants to make sure that the markets don't get ahead of themselves. I'm looking for 50 basis points next week, then 25 in March, and then a pause. The Fed tightening hasn't worked its way through the system, but you're beginning to see cracks in consumption and inflation. I'm sure the Fed is going to take note of that. And meanwhile, the number of Americans filing for unemployment insurance last week unexpectedly dropped, suggesting lingering tightness in the US labor market. Season adjusted initial jobless claims dipped to 106,000 in the week ending January 21 from an upwardly revised level of 192,000 in the prior week. Economists had predicted the figure would jump to 205,000. The rolling four-week average, which aims to adjust for volatility in the numbers, decreased by 9,250 to 197,500. Analysts at ING argued that following this batch of economic data, expectations now firmly set around the Fed raising interest rates by a more modest 25 basis points when officials meet next week. The US central bank aggressively increased borrowing costs throughout 2022 in a bid to tamp down demand and to cool red-hot price growth. While inflation is still well above target and employment is at a cycle low, there are signs that the economy is responding to tighter monetary policy and the Fed will be cognizant of fears that hiking rates too hard and too fast risks toppling the economy into recession, the ING analyst said in the note. Fourth quarter earnings seasons, of course, are now running on all cylinders, with 143 of the companies in the SP500 having reported of those. 67.8% have beaten street expectations, slightly better than the 66% long-term average, but well below the 76% beat rate over the past four quarters. Analysts now see aggregate S&P earnings falling 2.9% year-on-year 
compared with the mild 1.6% annual drop seen at the beginning of January. Now elsewhere, the expected recovery in China and the implications of the US GDP data were key themes. The US crude futures fell 1.63% to 79.38 a barrel, while the Brent contract fell 1.3% to 86.33 a barrel. Additionally, gold futures edged down 0.1% to 1,928, and the Euro-US dollar inched lower by 0.18% to 1.0878. European equities rallied on Friday as investors looked ahead of fresh US inflation numbers following the release of stronger-than-anticipated growth data from the world's largest economy. The regional stock 600 closed 0.14% higher, the DAX index in Germany was 0.11% higher, and the FTSE in the UK gained 0.05%, and the CAC 40 in France moved up just 0.02%. In corporate news, shares in H and M Hens Marantz slumped to their biggest intraday decline since May, the Swedish retailer posted lower than expected fourth quarter gross margin, falling a rise in energy, freight and garment prices. And Moet, Hennessy, Lewis, Vitellion reported weak second half profit margins, but analysts focused on hopes the luxury goods giant will receive a boost from the reopening of the Chinese economy after the lifting of strict COVID-19 rules. Shares rebounded from initial fall to such a new record high in early trading. Jay Sainsbury PLC in London jumped towards the top of the stock 600 after the British supermarket chain confirmed that wholesale conglomerate Best Way Group had acquired a 3.45% stake in the company. Best Way said it may look to make further purchases of Sainsbury's shares as well. Now, most Asian stock markets rose on Friday as appetite for risk-driven assets was supported by better-than-expected U.S. economic growth data, while Indian stocks extended their descent as heavyweight Adani remained under pressure from a short seller report. South Korea's Cosby index was the best performer for the day, rising nearly 0.6%. On the other hand, India's Nifty 50 and the BSE Sensex 30 indices both fell about 0.7% and 1% respectively, as selling in shares of companies under the Adani group resumed after a market holiday on Thursday. The conglomerate denied the allegations of fraud and market manipulation raised by Hindenburg Research and threatened legal action against the short seller. But markets appeared unconvinced by Adana's response, as selling in the seven listed firms under the conglomerate showed no signs of stopping. Adani Total Gas and Adani Transmission were the worst hit, tumbling over 13% each and a string of weak bank earnings also weighed on Indian stocks while markets feared any potential contagion in the lending sector from Adani. Japan's Nikkei 225 index also lagged its peers for the day, going up just 0.07% after data showed that inflation in the country's capital grew more than expected in January. The reading usually heralds a similar trend in nationwide CPI inflation, which is already trending at a 41-year high and well above the Bank of Japan's annual 2% target. The Tokyo Core Consumer Price Index rose at an annualised pace of 4.3% in January from 4% in the prior month, hitting a 41-year high and also beating expectations for a reading of 4.2%, according to data from the Statistics Bureau. Including the price of volatile materials such as fresh food, the Tokyo CPI inflation grew at 4.4% in January from 4% in the prior month, also hitting an over 41-year high. Tokyo CPI inflation has outpaced expectations for the past four consecutive months as Japan struggles with rising import costs of fuel and food. The Tokyo reading 
usually acts as a bellwether for broader inflation in the country, which was also trending to a 41-year high at the end of 2022. The US dollar Japanese yen fell 0.27% after the reading, given that rising inflation increases the pressure on the Bank of Japan to tighten monetary policy. While the central bank is unlikely to raise interest rates from record low levels, markets are expecting the bank to further widen its range of yield curve control after a surprise move in December. Depreciation in the yen also fed into Japanese inflation as the gap between local and international interest rates pushed traders into higher yielding currencies. While the yen has recouped some of its 2022 losses, it is still at relatively weak levels. CPI inflation is now at twice the BOJ's annual target of 2%, with the bank forecasting that it will stay elevated in the near term. A summary of the BOJ's latest meeting showed that policymakers were divided over being able to achieve the 2% target. High inflation is expected to further weigh on the Japanese economy after causing an unexpected contraction in the third quarter and the outlook for Japanese stocks has been clouded by uncertainty over the BOJ's plans for monetary policy, while rising inflation in the country is expected to eventually bring an end to the bank's ultra-accommodative stance, traders are unsure when such a move may occur after the Bank of Japan ducked market expectations in its January meeting. Focus among broader Asian markets will now turn to Chinese markets reopening after a week-long holiday, as well as the Federal Reserve meeting next week. Now in Australia, shares shook off a hot CPI report to briefly touch their strongest level in nine months, buoyed by the tech and consumer staple sectors. The S&P ASX 200 rose 0.3% or 25.5 points to 7,493, ending the week 0.2% higher in the fourth consecutive weekly gain. The index climbed as far as 7,508.5, that's the highest since April, but wasn't able to sustain those gains. Shares in Tyra Payments leapt 4% to $1.56 after the fintech finally lifted the lid on its books for takeover aspirant Potentia Capital, sparking renewed hope that a deal will get done. Tyra inched towards the December offer of $1.60, up 4.2% to $1.56 near the close on Friday, after its board said that it had discussed developing a significantly improved offer with Potentia's advisors in agreeing to open up to four weeks' due diligence. Telco infrastructure company Megaport was the indices' top outperformer, climbing 7.2% to $7.43. Fortescue Metals ended flat at $22.49, even as it recorded smashing iron ore exports in the first half of the year. Almond Growing Select Harvests bounced 4.6% to $4.07. It said that 2022 delivered its worst crop in 10 years. Flavor Energy rose 0.7% after receiving approval to acquire Coles Express. And Sleep Disorder and Breathing Devices company ResMed advanced 2% to $33.65 after topping $1 billion US dollars in revenue for the first time in a quarter, buoyed by strong device sales in the US, Latin America and Canada. Energy stocks were the biggest laggards, down 1.8% with coal producers leading losses. New Hope tumbled 9% to $5.84, and Whitehaven plunged 6.6% to $8.44. The sector took a hit after the American Competition and Consumer Commission warned of a potential deficit in gas supply in the eastern states this year, as LNG exporters still had not redirected enough output into the domestic market to head off shortages. Woodside Energy shed 2.4% to $36.42, and Santos was unchanged at $7.24. 
Origin rallied 0.7% to $7.37 after lifting earnings guidance for its core energy market business to a range of $600 million to $730 million in the 2023 financial year, up from earlier guidance of $500 million to $650 million. But Origin cut forecast output and its energy venture in Queensland because of wet weather. The four major banks rose with gains as much as 1.6%, with CBA up 0.94%, ANZ up 1.54%, NAB up 0.98%, and Westpac up 1.1%. And finally, in crypto land, for much of 2022, the crypto market focused on the United States Federal Reserve's actions. The central bank created a bearish environment for risk on assets like stocks and cryptocurrencies by increasing the interest rates on borrowing. Bitcoin's correlation with the US stock market indices, especially the Nasdaq 100, remains near all-time highs. And Lynn Alden noted that the FTX collapse pressed the crypto market in the fourth quarter of 2022 when the equities rallied on slower rate hike expectations. And while Congress delays its decision on the debt ceiling, favorable liquidity conditions have allowed Bitcoin's price to rise. However, the correlation with the stock market is still strong and movements in the S&P 500 and NASDAQ 100 will likely continue to influence Bitcoin's price. Nick Bahata, a financial researcher, wrote about the importance of the stock market's direction for Bitcoin. He said, in the short term, market prices can be very wrong. But over the more intermediate term, we have taken trends and trend reversal seriously. With the risks from the ongoing Fed's quantitative tightening and stoppage of Treasury liquidity injections, the markets are expected to stay vulnerable through the second half of 2023. Which means, of course, that Bitcoin may also be vulnerable. But that said, Bitcoin was last at 23,119, while Ether was at 1,599, both following the US markets higher. So the point I want to leave you with today is just how complex the environment here is at the moment. With so many cross currents, some of course thinking that the recession is still coming, others thinking that the recession has been avoided and that the Fed will stop very soon and perhaps follow the Bank of Canada. The point I want to make is that there are too many uncertainties to be sure about how things are going to play out. And if you take a longer view on all of this and think of some of the demographic shifts, China is weakening, the US still risks recession, and earnings are definitely lower than many people in the markets expect. Put that together, and I think the downside risk is still there for everyone to see. I'm Martin North from Digital Finance Analytics. Many thanks for watching, and I'll see you again next time.